Where are we? Are we, are we, are we recording? <laughs> yes, we're recording. Welcome to uh, Second Pod. I think that's what we're calling it. Uh, that is indeed the name for this podcast, at least as of episode one. Yeah, this is episode one, and uh, you know, I mean, episodes later, we're gonna look back at this and we'll think, yeah, that was slightly awful, but hey, good event. If if we say slightly awful, then I feel pretty good about uh about how things have gone. <laughs> so yeah, so who are we? Uh, my name is Sergei. I'm a social media manager at Microsoft. Uh, I'm working with technical communities, so developers, IT professionals. And Chris, how about you? Hello, uh, my name's Chris. I am also working with those communities, but in a different way. I run the TechNet UK blog, um, and we focus on dev and IT pro content. Right on. Um, what are we going to be talking about? Actually, why podcast? Why good question. Yeah, why podcast? podcast? Yeah, why podcast? Well, we were looking at, at new and exciting ways to, to contact our audience. And by new and exciting, I mean a medium that's been around for maybe 10 years at this point. So what better way than a podcast? Yeah. And plus, we're both big fans of podcasts. We listen to a lot, bunch of them. We do listen to a lot of podcasts, actually. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll talk about it in future episodes. But yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll get to that. <laughs> and I think it's a good, good way to kind of send out. It's an interesting medium to send out information to people because mm-hmm. you can consume it while you're doing a bunch of different things, like, for example, programming. Or just going to work, like I listen to most of my podcasts in. Exactly. Um, and uh, let's quickly talk about what's coming up on the show. So uh, we got a guest segment where we're going to be interviewing a member of the WinOps community. After that, we have Chris uh, talking about what's the latest and greatest on a TechNet blog. Uh, I'll give you an update uh, on any notable stories that I shared on social and all the Twitters and Facebooks that I'm running. And uh, then we'll have Chris wrap up with a final segment about any upcoming events you should be attending Uh, both in person and online. Yep. Um, Before we wrap up the intro section, though, we want to introduce the mysterious third person in our podcast, uh, who isn't with us right now. Who is this man? Who is he indeed? Uh, I I guess we can go live to him now. Chiggy, are you there? (laughs) Chiggy, Chiggy, pick up the phone. (laughs) I'm holding my fingers up to my ear for effect. Chiggy. He's so in down in the in the trenches, you can't hear us. He's he's in right in the middle of the war zone, basically. <laughs> yeah. He, um, Ch- okay, but, but Ch- Chiggy is our technical audience lead, so he uh, works with us quite a lot here at Microsoft yeah. um, to make sure we're doing good content by you guys. Yeah, and uh, he's doing also a lot of background stuff for our podcast. For example, inviting and interviewing guests. So uh, I'm sure you're going to be hearing him in other segments. And speaking of which, uh, you're going to be hearing more of Chiggy in our next segment with uh, the interview with the community member. So Steve, welcome to the TechNet pod, and it's lovely to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, so my name's Steve Thayer. I'm the CTO of, uh, of DevOps Guys, and I'm a Microsoft Regional Director. So Regional Director, just for our listeners here, what, what, what does that exactly mean? Um, I like to think of the RD program as sort of a, of a, almost like a business equivalent to the to the Microsoft MVP program, mm-hmm. where, where there's about four and a half thousand MVPs. There's only about 150 RDs, and um, normally people who are you know got senior business and technology role. And really, we give the Microsoft execs an opportunity to have a, a bunch of people that they can come and get an opinion from. You mm-hmm. know, we, we want to fill that trusted advisor role. Um, and also, we all can also advocate for our various communities. I tend to represent a, a DevOps and WinOps community. So mm-hmm. when Microsoft's talking about things like that, I'd like to say, well, that's, that's a good thing. That's the right direction. Well, maybe that's the wrong direction. Um, 
Yeah, and I think to Microsoft's credit, they're very, very open to feedback. I think that's part of the new Microsoft mentality. You know, we want feedback as much as we can get, which mm -hmm. is great. Excellent. So how long have you been in an RD? Uh, I've only been in RD for about six months now. Okay. Um, so uh, attended my first uh, MVP and RD summit in Seattle in November. Uh, learned a huge amount, met uh, some of the other RDs, some of who have been RDs for 10 years plus. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, in terms of, say, for example, someone, one of our listeners are wondering the main difference between um, being an MVP and an RD. Can you, is that kind of like a... Can you get promoted to an, an RD from an MVP, or is that completely different? Uh, in <coughs> fact, many of the, um, probably even most of the RDs are MVPs. Okay. Um, I think the main distinction between the two is that whereas a, uh, an MVP is aligned to normally a technology focus, mm -hmm. the, the RDs are much more aligned to a commercial and business initiative focus. I see. So it's like... What's the, what does this mean for our enterprise customers? What does this mean for people who are running independent software houses? What are you seeing from your customers yep. that Microsoft needs to know about? Mm -hmm. You know, So it's much more of a sort of a, a horizontal business-focused advisory role as opposed to, you know, um, ALM or, you know, or uh, SQL Server or, you know, any of the other MVP categories, which is much more vertical. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So, uh, so one of the main things, one of the main reasons we've had you on the show is for you to tell us about your uh, well, brilliant um, community involvement. Mm -hmm. And I really thought it would be great for our listeners to, to find out about it. I'm sure some of them probably know already. But if you can introduce um, the, the WinOps community and also mm -hmm. the DevOps community. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us all about it. Okay, so you know, in my in my day job with with DevOps guys, we're a, we're you know a DevOps consultancy. We focus on helping organisations on their digital transformation and the, their DevOps transformation journey. Mm -hmm. You know, we were out there and we were attending a lot of um, DevOps meetups. There are some very large DevOps meetups in London. In fact, some of the largest DevOps meetups in the world are in London. Okay, and you know, they're very active community, but. What we sort of found was that there was a, there was a subset of people there from the Windows community who didn't really feel particularly welcome. I see. And I've also had it told to my face straight away: you cannot do DevOps on Windows. <laughs> okay. So being be, being the, the contrary kind of person that I am, it's like right, okay, well, you know, we can't do DevOps on Windows. I've got to prove that we can do DevOps on Windows, and that's that debate's done. It's proven you can create. Do use DevOps methodologies, you can use DevOps tools, you can use DevOps thinking, because only a small part of actual DevOps is really the technology. Yep. It gets sold as being automation, but there's a lot, lot more to DevOps, mm -hmm. and we'll come and talk about that, what DevOps is and isn't later on. Yep. So so we start. We started in 2015, we had a one-day one day conference, about 120, 150 people came to the first one. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we then sort of started a monthly uh, meetup group. We then had our second conference in, in 2016, and we were lucky to have um, Jeffrey Snover come along, the inventor of PowerShell, yep. you know, distinguished engineer, um, all of those those great things that, uh, that, uh, that, that Jeffrey is. We also had some other great speakers, Michael Green, who had just written a fantastic white paper on how to do a release pipeline, okay. um, particularly with an infrastructure focus. Uh, using Microsoft technologies and you know some great case studies from people like Just Eat and uh, uh, and how people were really really using the technology uh, on on a day to day basis and and their own 
case studies of, of DevOps journeys. So yeah, it's gone, it's gone from strength to strength. You mm -hmm. know, we're um, we're currently in the process of planning uh, WinOps 2017, okay. which is uh, going to be in September 21st and 22nd. Uh, uh, again, based in London, uh, probably at um, Codenode, mm -hmm. and we, uh, for the first time, we're actually going to a two-day conference this this year, um, which will be a day of workshops and sort of hands-on making it real for people, and then a day of sort of case studies and and bigger picture strategic type stuff. So we're really excited about how we, you know, this evolution of how we've gone from a one-day conference to a to a, you know having a continuous meetup, mm -hmm. then having a you know a bigger conference, and now we're going to have a two-day conference. So it's a really exciting evolution. That sounds that does sound exciting indeed. Um, so it's actually called WinOps, right? The yep. community meetup. Okay. Yeah. So you can go to uh, www.winops.org mm -hmm. um, and or go to meetup.com/winops um, to find out the details on the on the monthly meetup. Okay. Um, all the details of the conference. Uh, should be up in the next week or so. All right. And date stuff. We haven't um, uh, tickets don't not going to go on sale for a while. But I think you can you can subscribe to the mailing list there, and then you'll or on the meetup mailing list, and you'll get notifications of all the details. Okay, we'll we'll add that to the show notes um, for oh, our for our listeners. So great. Um, that's great. Um, <clears throat> so if we talk a little bit about um, DevOps, then mm -hmm. so I've I'll give you a bit of background about myself. I've done a computer science degree. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, software development lifecycle and um, agile programming. Mm -hmm. How I see DevOps is sort of it's agile programming, but in the cloud. Mm -hmm. Is that a right way to think about it? Um, or if we say, what's the most dumbed down version? If you're going to explain it to, for example, your grandmother, <laughs> how would you say it? <laughs> Dear grandma, so I think. I think Agile plus plus is a good place to start. Okay. I think I like cloud, that. <laughs> yeah. I think cloud is absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think that DevOps came about because of cloud, mm -hmm. and I'll explain what I've been about that in a minute. But I think so. You know, Agile plus plus in the cloud, bringing in the full product lifecycle. Right. Okay. Bringing in operations, bringing in data, bringing in security, mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. So for a lot of people, the SDLC ends when it gets shipped to production. DevOps is saying it doesn't end until that product is retired out of your product portfolio. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have this end-to-end -end holistic big picture view of your entire product lifecycle, not just the narrow SDLC. So I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a movement that's seeking to improve the delivery of software products into to our customers by removing the silos. And, mm -hmm. and and originally, as the name implies, that was removing the silo between dev and ops. You know, um, but now you know, you go to some of the conferences and you'll hear it's about you know business and security and cloud and data and and people literally using terms like biv biz dev sec cloud data ops. You know? <laughs> All right, because it's just trying to emphasise that that this is a conversation. That everybody needs to be a part of, you know, mm -hmm. and that includes the product owner. That includes, you know, the, the the business, you know, requirements, and you know, that includes HR. That includes finance, you know, because the way that you structure your teams might change. The way you might incentivize your teams might change. Yeah. You want to move away from a project focus to a product focus. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the way you finance and pay for all this stuff needs to change. So, you know, it's a it's a fascinating time, I think, in 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 our evolution. And I'm um, so changing the. The structure, I guess, 
moving to a cloud um, environment actually helps in that it's more to, to subscription based rather than sort of you know um, licensing or enterprise uh, model as, as previous yeah I think it's probably just to clarify one thing sure. can you do can you do DevOps on prem of course mm-hmm. can you do DevOps in a purely uh, on tin hardware model probably less sure about that mm-hmm. and the reason for that is is that you know so much of, of what we're talking about is about having an API there has to be something that you can program against to do the, that sort of infrastructure as code to do that automated provisioning to to be able to create environments on command to be able to uh, you know do test automation to be able to do um, in infrastructure code configuration, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to do application release automation. So, what I would say is, is that the kind of capabilities that cloud gives you, you like with the say the Azure world, you, you know, Arm Azure Resource Manager yep. API, that just gives you a capability. I've got something that I can program against. Right. So, um, you know, I think that that clouds, cloud or having an API that you can program against that represents a flexible, utilizable pool of computing resources, okay. that's key. Mm-hmm. And this is why you're seeing you know, the evolution of, of, of uh, stuff like um, the DCOS, you know, Mesosphere Data Center OS, which mm-hmm. is like, how do we try and abstract the entire data center as an operating system so that we can you know, just increase this opportunity to have mm-hmm. these APIs that we can program against. And that's prog- that's when I say us, I yep. mean, I, I represent an, an IT pro community and then my background is infrastructure and operations. Yep. That's like, I have to learn to program. Yep. I'm not gonna stick a, a DVD or I'm, I'm so old I have to stick a disc <laughs> in, a, in a physical device anymore. Mm. I'm gonna program against an API. Mm-hmm. Um, so, has your skills somewhat changed in the past few years? Um, how would you describe that change? I'd say um, coming from infrastructure world to sort of, yeah, I'm guessing it'll be more scripting, a little bit more uh, development work. How's that change been for you? Um, um, having been worked on, you know, working on infrastructure for for such a long time. Yeah. I, I there's, well, there's two, there's two answers to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, my skills have changed in that I have to learn how to 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 run a team of fifty people in a multi million dollar startup. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so that's the biggest change in my skill set, and that's a hell of a challenge to somebody who's a technologist at heart. Yeah, I think in terms of the broader technical question and what that means for particularly people from came from a similar background to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in the same way that automation impacted people in the car manufacturing industry mm-hmm. the, you know in the textile industry going back to the days of the of, of the shuttles and looms and, and weaving machines and luddites trying to smash up things in in factories yeah um, you know w- we have to understand that there is a change coming and we need to learn mm-hmm. you know we need to be open to learning new things and a lot of those things are new things are things that maybe developers take for granted. I've got to learn how to use source control, which basically means I've got to learn how to use Git. Mm-hmm. And I've got to understand why source control is important. I've got to understand continuous integration and continuous delivery. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I've got to understand unit tests using something like Pesta for PowerShell. Yep. I've got to potentially understand, um, you know, infrastructure as code automation. So, you know, um, ARM, um, 
HashiCorp Terraform, you know, mm-hmm. and then sort of moving into, um, you know, Puppet Chef, Ansible, yep. PowerShell DSC. Uh, you know, I, I've got to learn a lot more about um, the software development life cycle and actually really how the applications that I'm supporting yep. run. So um, we, we use the phrase being application-centric for that. Okay. You know, being application-centric, being product-centric. It's not just enough to say, I'm the, the SAN engineer and I present a layer of storage LUNs mm-hmm. and that's my job and, and that's, that's where it starts and that's where it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more than that. Yeah. It's much more than that. And, and you know, you, you've got to be willing to go and talk to these other people, you know, upstream of you in the developer community, downstream of you maybe in first and second line support and, and how do we restructure that support organisation to remove this concept of first and second line and yeah. how do we do it in a more collaborative way? Okay. Does that answer the question? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Very detailed. So thank you for that. <laughs> I guess we're talking about the um, life cycle for software development. Mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, uh, most likely the, it will also impact the infrastructure, technology life cycle as well. So I'm talking about ITIL. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I saw a book on LinkedIn a few weeks ago about DevOps and how it affects ITIL, I think it mm-hmm. was. I haven't read it, but mm-hmm. I'd love to know in your opinion, what, how that impacts ITIL? Because in ITIL, there's a lot of um, sort of legacy type of processes, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, which is still followed by large enterprises today and, yeah. and many companies. So how does, do you think that there will be a change in ITIL um, as a result of DevOps, or would it be a completely separate thing? As in, uh, would there be an ITIL v5 or v4, for example, which will yeah. implement DevOps? Yeah. Sorry, a really big question, but... Yeah. Um, so, so, so first of all, um, if I, uh, the answer I always give to the mm-hmm. DevOps and ITIL question, because um, I want to put it in language that ITIL people understand, and I'm ITIL certified myself, mm-hmm. is that DevOps is ITIL with 90% of everything moved to standard change. And standard change means very something specific in ITIL language. It means it's pre-approved. Mm-hmm. It means it's tested. It means it's something that we've done before. We know how it does. And that's where some of the, the automation techniques come in. You yeah. know, it's, it's gone. We've written it in code in, a, in PowerShell DSC. It's gone through some kind of CI, CD pipeline. It's been tested. It's been validated. Mm-hmm. There's some separation of responsibility stuff that can come into that CI, CD pipeline to help you address compliance. So when it gets to production, I've got a really high confidence that this is going to this, this work. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to have a very low failure rate. And that's one of the key metrics that we track is change failure rate. We want to drive change failure rate down to zero. So... What that means is is that for the for that ten percent that's really a big change, you know, a breaking change, major version upgrade, data center migration, yeah, there on a, I might bring in some of the the more traditional DevOps techniques and of, of of I'll have I wouldn't call it a cab meeting anymore, change activity mm-hmm. board, but yeah. um, you know, I might I'd get everybody together in a room and I'd swarm around the problem and say, hey, we need to really coordinate this big change. Yeah, I think that anybody who tells you that ITIL is dead is really being disingenuous. Mm-hmm. And I, my answer to that is to say, oh, so you're saying you don't need an incident management process anymore. <laughs> you're saying you don't need a problem management process anymore. You don't need to worry about capacity, have any kind of capacity planning strategy. Mm. You don't need to worry to some extent about 
service transition and service design and, and how this product, when you launch it, is going to be managed over the full product lifecycle. Yep. Of course you do. You know, and you know, and even if you were to go and you know talk to John Allspore at Etsy, I mean, you know, he's written some fantastic material on on incident management and how to communicate in an incident and how to do post mortems. Um, and I think that a lot of that thinking is going to be brought back into ITIL. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the IEEE are, are trying to work on a sort of a DevOps standard. Okay. And think uh, Etsy or um, e- e- the ETSI this time, not ETSY, the, uh, the, the online company, mm-hmm. um, are working on it stuff. And I think it's inevitable in the same way that, that you know, that ITIL is a, is, is, is a constant evolution, that many of these DevOps concepts. I think the biggest problem that... Um, that that happened with ITIL implementations mm-hmm. 10 or 15 years ago was they looked at all of the different practices and principles that were in ITIL and they interpreted them as job job descriptions. Yeah. And then they also all they did was created more silos. Yeah. A service know. transition manager and yeah. Exactly. So every yeah. every sectional thing in the in the ITIL model, which was supposed to be a circle, yeah. it was supposed to be a continuous improvement cycle. Yeah. Um, uh, just got interpreted a series of job descriptions and just fragmented this whole thing up. Mm-hmm. We, so what we're trying to do that now is say, yeah, okay, we still believe in a lot of these things that ITIL does, but we're going to put them in a multidisciplinary product team, and it's your responsibility to do all of that, mm-hmm. you know, and we'll bring this team together and give you the right skills in this multifunctional, multidisciplinary team. Um, you know, and I think just on that one point that that can what, what in ITIL terms would be called CSI, Continual Service Improvement, yep. Yep absolutely a key concept of DevOps. Of DevOps. Yep. You know, this idea of creating feedback loops, learning, fail fast, fail safe, fail cheap, mm-hmm. you know, any, any sort of mantras that you want. Um, it's such a key concept about DevOps is this idea of get get feedback, and make it actionable feedback that I can do something with yep. and put that feedback in the hands of the right people who can improve the process. It's not a team over here who is doing CSI, yep. you know, uh, how can I abrogate my responsibility for making my product better and making my job better? Yeah. That's everybody's responsibility. And that's just such a key tenet of DevOps. It's interesting you say how the ITIL has sort of turned into jobs. And I mean, I see sometimes on LinkedIn, there's DevOps engineer roles. Yeah. And it's not it's not about a position. It's it's a process and it's, a, it's almost like a life cycle, isn't it? Yeah, there's a... There is a lot of debate in the community around, you know, DevOps job titles. <laughs> Should you have a DevOps team? Um, you know, w- w- when most organisations are advertising for a DevOps engineer, what they mean is a is an automation engineer mm-hmm. or a platform engineer. Yep. So somebody that that knows Azure or knows AWS or you know and knows. Um, you know, Azure Resource Manager templates, or maybe those HashiCorp Terraform, or you know, whatever the, the these different tools across the different communities. Yep. Um, but in the same way, you you, you see the job descriptions for an agile software developer. Yeah. They're what they're really saying is, do you really understand DevOps concepts mm. and the you know the DevOps idea of CALMs, you know, culture automation, lean metrics, and sharing. So. Yep. You know, I, I like to talk about PACE, which is, you know, being product-centric, automated, collaborative, and experimental. But what I would hope is that when you're interviewing for this DevOps engineer role, yeah. you're also asking them, well, what's what's CALMS? Mm. You know, what does DevOps mean to you? How would you seek to collaborate with a, with a developer? Don't just focus on 
their ability to automate infrastructure or automate application release automation or automate whatever maybe that you want to do. Yeah, that's you know so. Yeah, I'd prefer them to be to to be called platform engineers. Yep. You know, or site reliability engineers if they're more focused on on the application. You know, that's the, the term that, that Google tends to use, SREs. Okay. Um, um, which in some ways is you know very very similar to some of the roles that Microsoft's had in PSS for many years. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Great. As a, again, great answer. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are uh, absolutely fascinated by. Uh, by all this, uh, I know I am. Um, I think just onto the career piece, as we slightly touched on it there. Do you see cloud skills or or um, or talent, cloud talent available in the next two years? More than like, do you think it will be readily available in the next two years than it is right now? Like, do you think it's just an automatic thing, or is it something which is, um, you know, there's a there's going to be a, 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 a an issue there, well, sorry. So what I'm trying to get at is, do you do you? Is there going to be a skills check, skills shortage? Yes, basically, massively. Without touching on on on, on, on UK politics, uh, two, two years two years from, from from the end of March happens to be a very interesting <laughs> yeah. timeline. Um, I think that there is already a massive skills shortage. Well, there's a massive skills shortage in DevOps skills for a start. Mm-hmm. I think there's a massive shortage across all IT skills and most employer surveys and, you know, UK government, you know, Department of Innovation and Skills surveys continually point that there's a big IT skills shortage across the board. Most of the research that I've seen from, you know, people like, you know, Gartner and Forrester and IDC yep. um, are all saying that, that, you know, the software that organizations will basically need to double their software development capabilities within the next two or three years. You know, right. as we move through um, digital transformation, or DX as they tend to refer to it as, when we move through the digital transformation, as more and more organizations, I mean, uh, as more and more of their business becomes SaaS, and more and more of their business becomes digital. I mean, Microsoft's got a great case study on, um, on Cone, K-O-N-E, the mm-hmm. people who make the elevators, mm-hmm. about how they're embedding software into their elevators now to, to um, you know, tell them all this stuff about how it's working and sensors to make sure that it's working properly and alarms and how that's all fed back. And, yep. you know, again, there's another, there's a Rolls-Royce case study with, with Azure as well, which is, yep. just, you know, <laughs> this great map showing where a plane is in real time and what how many RPMs this engine is running at and when its next service interval is and what warning system has kicked off. I mean, that that kind of data is amazing, but that that's all software. Yep. You know, there's the software embedded in the sensors to collect the data. There's the mechanisms to relay that data back. You know, there's the sort of big data you need, the techniques you need at the back. So, you know, the, the number of software people and infrastructure people, you know, it's just it's going to explode. Yeah. You know, so if we have that challenge, let's just say we, we need twice the, we need to be, be able to be twice as much software mm. uh, or double your software development capabilities. Does that mean you need to hire twice as many developers? Probably not, because you're not going to be able to find them. Yep. Okay, so you've got to get more productive. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think that's where DevOps is part of the answer. It's about you know the, the collaboration. You know, it's about the culture. It's about how we can automate away the mundane stuff and get the humans to focus on the stuff that we're really good at, which yep. is innovative, innovative thinking and problem solving. You know, out of the box stuff. 
and automatically it sort of brings in upskilling as well um, yep. for the ones which yep. are not. And and you know and we've got to we've got to bring people along on the journey. We, you know, we've got I mean we have a part of our business we talk about um, our DevOps model for its education, automation, and transformation. So we use acronym EAT. So when we're talking about a DevOps uh, initiative with somebody, we sort of well, you know, what's your what's your education strategy? How are you going to upskill people? And yep. we'll offer training and you know. Same with automation and same with you know transformation, which is the sort of strategic consultancy piece. So education is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. What I would say is, is that you know we are, you know we're seeing a large scale adoption of open source, you know ideas. And when I think there's this movement called inner source or and also called enterprise open source, mm-hmm. which is not just how can we take software components from the open source community, um, from you know places like GitHub and I mean Microsoft I think now is the biggest single contributor on GitHub, which yeah. is crazy if you think about where it was you know five or ten years ago. Um, also a platinum platinum sponsor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then if you then think about um, uh, then you sort of. Um, uh, think about the other side of enterprise open source or inner source, which is how do I take the the methodologies and the techniques that that these l- successful yep. large open source projects have been have been doing, and some of that's about CI, some of that's about pull requests. This idea of you know contributors, maintainers, core committers. That hey, there's a you know there's a there's a there's a process by which anybody can contribute, but mm-hmm. there's a process. You've got to check in tests with your source code. You've got it's going to go through its process. That pull request is going to be reviewed by other people in the community, and it's going to be you know two thumbs up voting or whatever it may be to get it merged. Yep. I think we're going to see a lot of those ideas come in to the enterprise in order to make the enterprise more productive and make each in individual developer more productive. Because so yes, we need to do a lot of upskilling. I don't think we can meet the challenge just by doubling or whatever it is the number of developers. We've got to, there's got to be a, a combination of increased productivity via collaboration, communication, automation, and, and reskilling existing people. resources. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Spot on. Great. So, I'm going to move slightly towards uh, something that's coming up towards the end of this month Tech Days Online. Mm-hmm. And I believe you're also. Um, in one of the sessions? Yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to do a, um, uh, a regional director panel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's four or five of the six um, RDs uh, are going to be um, uh, going to be sitting on a sofa um, and chewing the fat, uh, mm-hmm. a bit like a bit like what we've done here, and and just sort of talking about how we see. Um, you know the changes in technology affecting affecting our community. So in in the in the RD the six UK RDs, you know I tend to come from an IT pro background and yep. sort of represent a, a WinOps and DevOps community. Uh, Simon Sabin, who a good friend of mine, used to work with actually in, in back at Total Jobs days. He kind of uh, was one of the founders of SQL Bits, so naturally represents a. Uh, a DBA community, but you know that's increasingly becoming a hybrid. Mm-hmm. You know, database SDLC data developer role. Yep. Uh, we've got some of the you know I think we're Andy um, and Cross um, and who else is, is on the panel at the moment. Uh, he represents you know much more of a sort of again a, a big data and a developer side mm-hmm. of the community. So you know I think I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation because we're all bringing our communities to the table and we can sit down and say, hey, 
this this is great for devs, but it's not good for you know guys IT pros. Well, how are you going to help me? Mm-hmm. So it's really trying to DevOps in a nutshell. Really, yeah. how do we communicate? How do we collaborate? So I'm really looking forward to that panel. Me too, and uh, it yeah. sounds really exciting. I think this is the probably the best lineup we've seen in a long time on Techdevs Online. Some um, of the uh, you know, there's somebody's talking about um, uh, AI and and stuff, and and you've got somebody talking about quantum computing, which yeah. I, I'm desperately having ha- having read so many articles on quantum <laughs> computing and still not understanding it. I'm desperate to to listen to that uh, to listen <laughs> to that section Techdevs Online, and I might finally understand what quantum computing really is. Brilliant. I think that concludes our uh, little Q&A here, uh, Steve. But um, thank you so much for your time. I think it's been really valuable and it's, it's been great to to learn from your wealth of knowledge and, and, and experience. And I guess as a parting gift, what would, what would you say for people who, wants, who want to develop skills on DevOps? Okay. What's the starting point? Um, I think that, I mean, well, obviously, I'm going to you know, put plug for WinOps, um, you know, come along to one of the meetups. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, if, if you, if you, obviously, that's a bit London, London-centric, if you can come to the, the conference in September, mm-hmm. um, come along. I think uh, start with reading the Phoenix Project and the DevOps Enterprise Handbook, so Gene Kim's and, and George Bafford, Kevin Baer, the guy, um, Jez Humble, the guys who, who wrote those books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a great place to start to get your head around some of the thinking and some of the mindset shifts you might want to change. Yep. Um, there are a ton of free resources available online on the um, on the Microsoft websites and partner universities about the specific technical skills that you might need. Yep. Um, you know, we said whether that's PowerShell, whether that's um, um, understanding the you know the uh, configurations management tools, whether that's understanding how how Git and GitHub and you know get yourself a GitHub account. Mm-hmm. You know, um, start playing with some of this stuff. I mean, there's some amazing um, ARM uh, as a resource manager templates that are available in the Quick Start Gallery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was doing some stuff just spinning up an entire Mesosphere cluster in Azure Container Services. There's a there's a one click to deploy button there. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a if you've got an MSDN subscription, you know, you've got some free credits in Azure. You know, increasingly when we're hiring people, yeah, their, their CV tells me tells me something. Yeah. Uh, what's your GitHub ID? That's the, often that's the next question we ask. Right. I want to see what it, what what repos have you cloned? What contri- contributions have you made yep. to projects? What are you what do you care about? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the next thing we do is we, we we get them into our office for a day and we say, right, you you say that you can do this. Mm-hmm. Show me. You know, take that application source code and make it a running system in 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 Azure. That's that's our test basically. So set that set that as a challenge for yourself. You know, how can I take anyone? You know, con- Contoso. You know, yeah. uh, sample app. Mm-hmm. How do I take it? How do I compile it? How do I? You know, you want to use VSTS or you know, um, you know, you can get. There's plenty of free credit, thirty days free credit, or you know, options. Yeah. Um, you know, how do I get that and and put it in there? How do I learn these skills? And you know, when was the last time, if you're an ops people, did you go and sit in on a morning stand up? Yeah, you know, when is the last time that you went to a sprint retrospective or a sprint planning meeting? Mm-hmm. You know, um, don't necessarily ask without being controversial. Don't necessarily ask permission. Just turn up, turn up to their morning sprint. Say hi, I'm I'm Dave. I'm Steve from from Ops. Really want to know what you guys are doing. What's coming down the pipeline? You know, get involved. Yeah, I'm going to make up a quote. Uh, maybe it's already been said in a different way, but 
if you're expecting change to happen, you got to be the first one to start yeah. it, right? <laughs> yeah, I completely yeah, make you know be the change. You know, you know, Nike just do it. Whatever you <laughs> want to talk about it. A lot of people sort of said if you're not happy with your job, there's a bit of a truism, which is change your company or change your company. You know, you've yeah. got to be the agent of change. Either take the decision to go to another company and change your career path, or take the decision. Actually, I really love this company, but I'm frustrated about some of these things, and I'm going to take action. And I'm going to do something about it. Great. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Sharon. It was great. Um, thank you very much for having me. Thank you, listeners. I hope you've enjoyed that. I certainly have. And see you next time. Big thanks to Chiggy and Steve for that interview. If you have any ideas for subjects for future podcast episodes, let us know either on our social channels or with the podcast notes that we'll be putting out on Technet UK. Uh, we'll have links to that in the show description. You'll be able to find that on, on the description of this podcast. Uh, now we're going to go into our recent articles on Technet UK. So if you don't know what Technet UK is, it's a one one kind of blog area thing, magical portal, if you want to call it that. Your one destination for... Your one-stop shop um, for dev and IT pro content. So basically we're um, working with members of the uh, UK Microsoft community uh, to create content that you'll find useful, informative, maybe even funny sometimes. We have a sense of humor sometimes. We have to find Some it. of us do. Some of us do. Um, so this is just a rundown, basically, of what we've seen recently and a little look at what you might expect in the next uh, few weeks or so. Um, so one article uh, that just went live is Azure Stack, What Can I Do For My Business? This is written by Gareth Jones. Um, so in that article, he talks about what Azure Stack is, why you might need it, and also further details such as test scenarios, scalability, and hosting providers. Um, so you can find that on the site. That's up now. Uh, our second article is How to Help Tech Employees Be More Creative by Rick Delgado. He's a, a regular. In fact, actually, Gareth Jones is also a regular. I should point that out. And uh, you can find that article up. There's So basically, that article is uh, five actionable tips on how to boost your creativity. Now, this is a look at kind of uh, how to work in a team better. So really interesting if you're working in a small team and maybe even if you're working in a larger team, you can read that and see if there's any interesting notes you can pick up. And finally, we have uh, an article on Bot Framework Dialogues. This is a brand new one from a new contributor for us, but from a company that we all know very well. It's uh, James Mann from Black Marble. Um, he runs through some examples on how to build uh, chatbots using Bot Framework Dialogues. So there's plenty of code examples on there. There's links to everything on GitHub. So if you want to see the full code, you can see that on GitHub. And uh, there's also a, a little note there about uh, what talks he'll be doing at Tech Days Online. Um, James will actually be uh, talking during Tech Days Online. We'll come back to that topic. We have an event section of this podcast, so you'll learn a bit more about Tech Days Online in a little bit. But before that, we're going to look at some of the future articles that are coming up. We've got one coming from Larry Kay. Larry Kay uh, works here at Microsoft in the certification team, and he'll be providing an update on Microsoft developer certifications, such as how you get started, some roadmaps about where you can go with it, and um, some useful resources as well. Um, so that'll be coming up in the next few weeks. We're also going to have some content on the Internet of Things, um, game engines, Power BI, PowerShell, and, and lots more. So be sure to keep an eye on it. Um, even if like the we, we tend to post about one a day or thereabouts. So even if like the article of the day doesn't really suit your uh, your needs. Stick around, we'll have something good. And if there's anything that you want to learn more about, just let us know and we'll try our best to get content for you. Um, so now back to Sergey. So he's going to give us an update 
from the Twitters. Thanks, Chris. Um, so here's me uh, sharing some updates uh, I've kind of shared on our Twitters and Facebooks uh, over a couple of weeks. And then I think these kind of top five uh, or there's six ones that I kind of found really interesting. The first one is uh, kind of guidance strategy, um, a quick guidance on a strategy for .NET languages by Matt Storgerson. You probably know him. So if you, uh, if you were curious about, um, you know, how we think about each of our .NET languages and how is it going to evolve, it's, gonna, it's a good article to kind of provide additional context. Uh, so check that out. Uh, the next one is uh, Project Blatchley, and uh, that's something came off of the back of me attending uh, the Blockchain Expo in London recently. Uh, so Blockchain Expo, uh, sorry, Project Blatchley is, uh, is our kind of architectural approach to building um, stuff around blockchain ecosystem. So uh, it's, it's not a new blockchain stack, but it's our approach to distributed ledger. So I think that could be really interesting if you are interested in this kind of technology and what we're doing in that space. The third post uh, that I think is really cool is uh, getting started with Azure, uh, billing costs and management. So if you have any questions around estimating costs on Azure or setting up billing alerts or even getting practical tips on how to reduce your costs, this is a very useful article you want to check out. Uh, so next one is a really cool uh, kind of roadmap uh, overview of uh, Azure Cloud Platform features. Uh, so if you're curious about the state of things, uh, what's coming up around Azure, then uh, this uh, Cloud Platform roadmap is an another nice resource for you to check out. And I have another article on .NET, actually, which is uh, written from the community. And uh, shout out to Andrew Locke. Uh, it's, it's on uh, authentication and authorization ASP.NET Core. So check that out uh, if, if you're interested in this, um, how to set up uh, authentication and how claims-based authentication works. And the sixth article, it's kind of like a bonus uh, post. Uh, if you're looking to learn a new language in 2017 or brush up on a certain topic, there's a great, great place to do it uh, with a C-sharp post that was uh, shared recently. Uh, it's presented by Bob Taber. So Bob's no, well known in the community for his easy to follow teaching style. Uh, going to keep you engaged and entertained and will learn you, uh, will teach you some core C-sharp concepts, concepts you can apply in the many modern applications. So if you found any of these uh, interesting, we'll have links to those stories in the show notes you can check out. So that's f uh, an update on social and now we're going to move on to Chris to talk about upcoming events. So I'm going to go through a selection of events that are coming up within the next two months. Now this is only a small selection of them. Um, but we do have a dedicated events section on the TechNet UK website. So have a look at that if there's other subjects that you'd quite like to attend events on. There's quite a diverse range of subjects there. Um, but we're going to kick it off with the Azure briefing with Linux on Azure infrastructure, which is happening on February the 9th here in Reading in our wonderful, lovely offices in very sunny, sandy, windy Reading. Paradise uh, on Earth, mate. Exactly. Um, so this is a technical briefing aimed at CTOs, software architects, and senior system designers. And it'll explore how you can build robust, scalable, and cost-effective cloud solutions with Azure. So this is an interesting one primarily because you don't, even, even now with uh, plenty of Linux partnerships under our belt, you don't often hear us talk about Linux. So that might be of interest uh, if you just kind of want to see the state of play. Um, after that is Tech Days Online. We mentioned this earlier, February the 20th to the 22nd. Um, we've actually got a small interview segment, if you want to call it that, 
uh, with one of the people running it here at Microsoft. Her name is Claire Smith, and uh, we'll pass you over now to an interview with her and Shirag. In fact, they recorded this one in a rainforest, as you'll be able to tell when you hear the audio. Hello, everyone. So I've got Claire Smith with me today. Um, and Claire will be talking to us about Tech Days Online. Um, so Claire, I'll stop talking now. You can tell us everything about Tech Days Online. Great. Thanks ever so much for having me. Um, so just so everyone's aware, my name is Claire Smith, and I look after the Microsoft most valuable professionals in the UK. So this is a group of nearly 200 um, MVPs, we describe them as, um, who do outstanding work within the technical community. So they're people who are blogging, writing articles, they're doing events and doing a huge amount of great work. And actually they do it for free and they do it because they love our technology. So that gives you a little bit of an idea about what an MVP is, which then leads me on to what is MVP-led Tech Days Online. So I am really lucky to work with the community and one way to ensure that we are sharing that great knowledge within the community is to do an amazing piece, uh, which is Tech Days Online, which has been running for about five years. Recently, I've taken it on so that we can really engage MVPs as part of it. And it is all about knowledge sharing. Um, it is about MVPs and our very own technical evangelists within UKDX who sit together on a sofa and really chew the fat around some of the newest technology and also talk about some of the existing technology, which is incredibly important to a lot of our customers and partners. Awesome. So sitting on the sofa a bit like BBC Breakfast style. Yeah, I think they'd love to be. I think Andrew Fryer especially would love to be Jonathan Ross, but <laughs> <laughs> he's still working towards that. Awesome. So you say you started five years ago. Um, where did the idea came from and what sort of... Um, inspired this uh, this event really. So, so Tech Days Online was something that started way before I uh, was part of UK um, DX. And for those who don't know DX, it is uh, the Developer Experience team. Um, what it was was we felt that it's great to have lots of face-to-face -face events, and they really do serve an amazing purpose in the fact that you can have that that face-to-face -face engagement. Um, but there's also people who can't always come to the event. There's those people that, that can't travel down to London or, or that can't travel to where we are. So there really needs to be an online experience. And that's what Tech Days Online was all about. It was about offering the wealth of knowledge, getting people to know who some of the Microsoft um, technical evangelists are, and also offering a real world community voice um, within an online experience. Um, so it's grown and grown and grown. Uh, it did have MVPs involved in it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. However, now we've taken over and uh, and we lead the whole thing, which is which I think is you know really helpful. That's awesome. Um, how do you think the MVP community perceive that? I mean, they must look forward to this. It used to be once every year, right? And now it's uh, sort of once every few six, months. Six months. Six we months. try and do it. Yeah, once every six months. Um, you know, I, I work with MVPs every single day. We send out a, a you know very clear call for content for Tech Days Online. There is only a finite amount of sessions that we can put forward, and we're doing it over three days this time. But they are so enthusiastic about it, and um, that comes across in the presentations that they put forward, the preparation, the demonstrations, um, and the amount of interaction they have with our technical evangelists 
is sort of testament to the hard work that they do to ensure that this is a really effective broadcast. Great stuff. So um, this this time, I think the Technics Online is on twenty first, twentieth, twenty first, and twenty second, right? Yes. Of yeah, Feb. Of February. Yeah. Um, and I know I've seen the agenda myself, and it looks really tasty. So I'd say, which one would you say are the are the ones to watch um, out of all the sessions? I know they're all pretty great. And we've got some great um, guests coming through. Ah, oh, put me on the spot. So, <laughs> um, it's interesting. The way that we've tried to design the three days is a reality day. So it's all about what is possible now, what is possible today. So we're looking at, um, at bots. Everyone's talking about bots. We've got uh, Robin Osborne from Just Eat who is coming in and he's going to tell us about all the bots that he's been creating and using within Just Eat. Um, we've got some new MVPs. Uh, we've got James Mann and Gary Pretty who are so engrossed in the bot framework and they're just going to help people bring that technology into a reality and how you can you know describe and explain how you can use it within your business so those are two sessions I would say absolutely tune in for uh, we've got that best kept secret document DB we've got serverless um, we are obviously talking about the data platform and data 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 everybody has data even if it's on your PC spread all over your servers actually what do you do with it and how do you pull it together to make it meaningful? Um, and Amy Nicholson and uh, Dave Griswold are going to be doing a fantastic job of explaining how to do that. Um, I think some real stars for you to look out for are uh, Haiyan Zhang. She will be here. She was on the Big Life Fix recently. She helped um, a young lady with Parkinson's uh, be able to control her tremors so that she could actually write. I didn't realise she was a graphic designer originally, the lady with Parkinson's. Oh, wow. She was only 29 when she was diagnosed, and um, and Haiyan created some, uh, it's like a wristband that's able to counter the tremors that she had, and it was stunning. Uh, Haiyan is from Microsoft Research, um, and she's the innovation director, so you must tune in for that. I mean, she's just fascinating and amazing to listen to. And then we have the mind-blowing Ilias Khan, who's going to be talking about quantum computing. Um, my knowledge of quantum computing is very limited, his is vast. Mm -hmm. So if you want to know about the topic, he is absolutely the person to listen to. Um, and then we have a fascinating social scientist, Bradley Love, who is joining us now. Bradley is really all about AI um, and, and big data. And, and he's somebody that I really would encourage you to come and listen to. And he also works with us. He's, he's from um, University College London. That sounds really like a great lineup and some really, really interesting sessions, especially the um, the um, wrist wristband support one. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember exactly what she did, but it, it, if anyone wants to watch the Big Life Fix, it was on before Christmas. Okay. It's really something to watch. It's something to watch with your children as well. My daughter was incredibly inspired. Brilliant. Um, so I guess we'll talk about the success of last Tech Days Online and just talk a bit, a bit more about the numbers and you know how many people we actually had watching as well because it's important to know that these are huge events and it, although it's online, um, they're very, very popular. So do you have any stats for us from last time? Uh, I can give you, so uh, since I've been doing MVP-led Tech Days Online, um, we have done, this will be our fourth, I think it's our fourth iteration of it. The last session that we did, we had a studio, small studio set up at Future Decoded, and really it was an experiment to see how we could do a live broadcast from somewhere like Future Decoded, and with a very limited amount of awareness, 
we had over two and a half thousand people wow. who were listening in. So that was great. Um, and then the first time we did it, which was in May last year, or mm-hmm. even the year before, it seems like a long time ago, we had 15,000 people who tuned in over two days. So it's a very popular event. I would really encourage you to come along and listen. It's a great lineup. Just don't miss it. <laughs> I'm sure our viewers are, are looking forward to that one. Um, so if you're interested in, in attending this event, it's virtual for three days, so you can just log on online. It's a live stream for three days. And you'll see all the details of registrations on our show notes. Um, finally, I think there's a surprise for this year's event and something about around the world. Now, I know you don't, you don't want to give this away too much, but can you give us a little hint on what it's all about? Yeah, so Tech Days Online has been really successful in the UK. Um, and the team in America, in Canada, in Asia um, have been really keen to be involved. So what we've done, instead of doing live sessions with them, we have got their MVPs to record some really good videos. And when we go offline at four o'clock, the American MVPs will come online. They will do six hours. Then the um, Asia, Australia, all of those guys, India, they will do another six hours. So we will have almost around the world's MVP um, Tech Days Online happening. on, And that's on the 21st of February. Brilliant. Okay, that's fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Claire, for your time. Um, I'm sure the viewers have heard plenty to go and sign up today. So um, that's what that's what we urge you to do straight away. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks very thanks. much. Big thanks to Claire for the extra info on Tech Days Online. And uh, remember, that's February 20th to the 22nd. And the final event we're going to talk about here is the Microsoft Tech Summit in Birmingham. That's March the 27th to the 28th. That's a free two-day technical training event. Um, that one's focusing on cloud and infrastructure skills, and it's going to have quite a few attendees there, so plenty of networking opportunities as well. Plus, you get to hang around in Birmingham, which is, you know, better than Reading. Um, so get all the curries. Get all the curries, apparently. <laughs> Birmingham are very famous for their curries. Um, so, yeah, that wraps up our event section. As I said before, if there's other topics that you'd like to see uh, in person or online, then check out our events page on the Tenet UK site. So now to wrap up the podcast, we're done here. That's episode yeah. one, Inside of a Bag. Wow, we're here. How does it feel? Do you feel different? I feel, I feel, I feel a changed man. Do you feel refreshed? Uh, I, I'm not sure about that, but uh, I, I feel it's real exciting. I think we're learning a lot on the fly here with equipment and, you know, how to run like the podcast. <laughs> what, you're, you're saying we're not professional audio engineers? Mm, not yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so, as we mentioned at the top of the show, if you have feedback for us on any of the sections that you've heard today, or anything at all, just let us know on any of our Twitter uh, accounts, so that's... MSWK and Technet UK. There you go. Um, we'll have all of these in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about remembering them, but those are the two Twitter accounts. You can also find us, uh, there will be a show notes page on the Technet UK website. Um, which you can respond to with your thoughts, what you liked, what you didn't like. Don't worry, we won't cry. Um, But we will try our best to make episode two even better than this one. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. On the TechNet pod.